In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again hey what's up everyone how you doing this is benjamin kissel with puffin as always puffin how you doing i'm doing pretty good ben we went to the dog park yesterday, Ben, and I have to say those dogs, they're violent, they're mean, they're mean, Ben, they hit me, Ben. I know, Puffin, you gotta toughen up. I know, Ben, I will, I will. Mm. That's right, Puffin. Travis Morningstar is also with Happy me. Happy Good Friday. Good Friday it is. Hey, I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but what's so good about it anyway? Isn't uh. that the day that Jesus carried a cross on his back across the sand there's open mic travis morningstar coming at you hot <sighs> good good new bit travis uh, i'm working on what, it what's so good what's about so it anyway? good about it anyway all right well that's powerful that's why you're mic'd up and that's why the people love to hear from you uh it is 420 by the way coming up here 420 it is obviously that's uh an anniversary for some horrible things such as the birth of adolf hitler uh, the death and the massacre of Columbine, and of course, it's synonymous with marijuana. So we're going to talk a little bit about marijuana, and uh, there's still a drug arrest every 20 seconds in this country. Most of those drug arrests are for marijuana possession. This was going back to 2017. Uh, there was roughly 1.6 million drug arrests, drug violations in 2017. And that was an increase, of course, more of, of about 4%. And 85% of those arrests, or 1.4 million, were simply for drug possession. So as we celebrate this 420, <laughs> let's not forget the millions of people currently incarcerated, locked up behind bars for doing the exact same thing that people are currently on a plane traveling to Colorado to do legally and honestly it's probably going to be a hell of a good time so there and you go you could go to carl's jr and get a um a high cbd content low thc content mm. burger so you can have this nice sort of bo- nice uh mellow body high while you yeah. stream liquid shit out of uh, your ass absolutely carl's jr as i call it hardy's because that's what it should be called in real uh, america in real america carl's jr is Hardee's, and we all know that. So let's not forget that as you're getting stoned off your gummies, off your vapes, off your joints, that indeed we live in a country that has a, a double standard when it comes to incarceration. And I'll break down a little bit of 
a little bit later here how much money these states are making that have legalized marijuana. Of course, we were just out in Los Angeles for Henry Zabrowski and Natalie Jean's second wedding. They're so madly in love, they had to do it twice. And this, this wedding took place at a castle. And it was really fun, and all of us were there, and it was like the castle had a moat, and that was really cool, and I wanted to be like a knight standing outside the castle, or maybe I would have been one of those people who dumped all the hot oil on the people as they tried to come into the castle. (laughs) I'm not sure what my role would be in medieval society. It could really go either way. I could be uh, tormented, taunted haunted and hunted by village people uh, making me live out in some cabin about five miles outside of town every now and again a group of rambunctious teens might come and try to bother me perhaps they find out I'm not a monster maybe they find out I actually have a lot of love in my heart and I feel ostracized and alone and perhaps this leads to friendships with these said children or teenagers or it could make me king I don't know. I could either be ostracized as a monster or the king or some kind of middle ground where I'm just like, I don't know, one of the dudes who stretches out someone who doesn't praise the king properly. I don't know. Now, now was Heidi Klum dressed as Shrek at this party as well? Uh, No, she was not female Shrek, a.k.a. Fiona. No, she was not, although that was a wonderful time this past Halloween. So we have a bunch of stuff to get to today, obviously. Uh, What happened? The Mueller report is here. Oh, my God. Two years, 22 months in the making. The Mueller report has finally landed. It's starting and, to walk. It, it's the terrible twos. The terrible twos. It's old enough to teeth. And my God, sadly, uh, going with that analogy, it is old enough to have teeth. Uh, unfortunately, the Mueller report itself does not have any teeth. It's all gums. Both sides will have what they want to call wins, and both sides can claim to have some victories with it. Of course, Donald Trump is not indicted he's not you know a lot of folks when and I want to we'll talk about this in the context of media coverage because I think that's that's interesting we've heard ad nauseum Carter Page Manafort Cohen all this stuff we know these people who have been indicted Papadopoulos Flynn the list goes on we've been hearing about it for a long time so there's really no reason for you to even read the first 200 pages of this report because it simply regurgitates what we already know Um, But the interesting thing about this, I do want to talk about from the context of the media's coverage of uh, this report. And really, once again, no one looks good. No one is a winner. And in this kind of situation with Donald Trump, if no one's a winner, if there isn't a if he if he looks just as bad as everybody else, it's uh, it makes him look good. Because if everyone else is a pig and crap, he's just another one of them. And it makes them all wash. They, they're all colored with the exact same crap brush. And I think the American people are just um, annoyed, aggravated. And a lot of people thought, if you listened to media, that Donald Trump was going to be drug out of the White House in chains. And he was going to be wearing his little DT robe, that uh, embroidered DT on it, or DJT on it, and he was going to be walking out of the White House and wind was going to blow up underneath his little robe there and he would have had a Marilyn Monroe moment where we could have seen his disgusting, weird, old 72-year-old buttocks and everyone would laugh and everyone would say, Donald Trump is gone forever and he's never going to be back. 
But of course, in reality, he's still there and we have to win. The Democratic Party has to win an election to get rid of him. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we learned from the Mueller report and uh, what we didn't learn. Barack Obama does not look good in this either. Of course, the Russians started this crap in 2014. The meme war, which as you're reading this thing, the first two, like the again, the first 200 pages are all like, this is what the Russians did, and they sent out all these memes, and one of the memes is just a coal miner, and it says, coal miners for Trump. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, <laughs> this is it? This is what derailed our country? This is, this is all that it took? 250 years of democracy? This is all it took was Facebook memes to deep... Maybe this country wasn't so strong after like all. bathroom graffiti is, yes. what, is what did us in? Literally, d- Vladimir Putin internet tagged us... <laughs> To oblivion, and of course, he's the big winner out of all of this. So we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive into the Mueller report. I also want to talk about something that isn't getting a lot of coverage whatsoever that I think is completely significant and something that is counterintuitive to Donald Trump's supposed belief in anti-interventionalism. Of course, Donald Trump, he loves Saudi Arabia, and he has just decided that the U.S., will continue um, to participate and to fund the Saudis when it comes to the war in Yemen. So this story, I think it needs a lot more press. Uh, it hasn't gotten any press because, of course, our mainstream media is complicit in all of U.S. foreign wars. They love them um, as large corporations make bank with every bomb that is built and every bomb that destroys lives in countries uh, that are not ours. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Yemen. Also, Roy Moore is back. Good. Great. <laughs> of course, Roy Moore, the theocrat, uh, accused pederast, um, who lost to Doug Jones. I got to meet Doug Jones at the airport. Oh, nice. Was and he Was it, he a cool guy? He was nice. I mean, he yeah. was on his way. He was traveling a little bit. And I was like, Doug Jones, I'm such a fan. Because, you know, everyone who is like a celebrity or a famous politician – they love when a 330-pound, seven ginger with a massive beard is like, I'm just a fan. I'm politics. A big, politics, big fan, dude, big fan. And he was scared, and he did take a picture with me. So Good. that was not – it was very – I mean, it is – if you're a politician, even far more than a celebrity, you have to take pictures with people. Yeah. That's that's your job. You know, that's that's like 95% of your human outreach. Also, is when, when, when Roy Moore is coming back, is he at least putting on a fake mustache, a big floppy hat, something? Is is Or is he just – he's just Roy Moore back – the original is back in business, I think, baby. I think the original is coming back. It's like um, – City slickers. Now he's looking for Curly's gold. (laughs) And indeed, in this case, gold is a Senate seat. Uh, And obviously that Senate seat was vacated by Jeff Sessions. It was a special election. And uh, Doug Jones is the first person, first Democrat, to hold a Senate seat in Alabama, I believe, since 1992. So it's been a while. So we'll see. Right now, Roy Moore is leading in uh, the polls and um you know we'll see if he's able to read i guarantee democrats would love it if he ran again he does feel he says the election was stolen from him so we'll see what the hell happens uh, with all of that but first let's just knock out the Mueller report a conversation uh so just number one i you know i was thinking about this last night i know it's it's really stunning stuff 
the way that the media handled it. And let's just talk about the media first. We'll talk a lot, a little bit about the hypocrisy, specifically when it comes to this notion that foreign governments diddle in other governments' elections and the U.S. being like, I can't believe they would mess with our elections when the United States has a little bit of a history doing just that, but instead of memes, we use machine guns and we arm a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then those people use those guns, usually at some point against United States troops. So, But let's just talk about it first in the context of media. So we have 22 months, nonstop Mueller report, CNN, whoever the hell produces, the show's over there. I think it was a massive miscalculation to just nail this over and over and over the same panelists of like the same 12 people speculating on the Mueller report. Obviously, we had the indictments coming down. There was some exciting stuff there. We certainly covered it here on this show. That was basically the meat. We saw the meat of the report before the report was actually out. And I do wonder now, is this going to end up being as politically detrimental to Donald Trump as some people thought, because it's already known. Now, is it crazy that Donald Trump uh, was associated with people like Carter Page? Of course, Carter Page, uh, he was working with the Russians 10 years ago. Paul Manafort, we know this, uh, was very close with horrible dictators in Ukraine and Central and South America, close with the Kremlin, uh, coming in and basically saying that he doesn't want a job in the administration because Paul Manafort... Uh, leveraged his power or leveraged his um, connections uh, to gain power and then theoretically gain wealth. That's all he did. He basically was promising access to Donald Trump. That's all they ever did. Stone, Manafort, uh, the other two jackasses. All they ever promised was a doorway to power. And that's exactly what he was giving people with Donald Trump. The thing that struck me the most about this was the total and utter incompetence of just the government as a whole. In 2014, when the Russians decided to start this sort of cyber campaign, which is, of course, using our free internet against us, using our freedom against us, and I'm very pro-open and uh, free internet. I mean, it has to be, because otherwise we're going to go down the roads of China. And uh, this is one of the negative ramifications of having freedom. You know, it does allow for people to come in and mess around a little bit on our social media sites. My only issue with all of this is memes, it's like it's still up to people. And I think that people have to understand like what they read on Twitter, what they see on Facebook, Reddit, all of these things. I think because it was new, the technology was like never seen before. It reminds me of exactly how people used to treat television news. Mm-hmm. When they would watch TV news and then they would regurgitate what they see on TV news as fact. And they trusted television news. Now, television news isn't nearly as trusted, but they've taken that trust and they've put it over to the Internet, which is why we have people crying about QAnon and we have people who believe in Pizzagate and we have people who believe um, that, uh, you know, the Russians were able to decide the next president of the United States. Well, you say free Internet, but. What we have is sort of a back to AOL walled garden services like Facebook. Facebook is just like a zoo for old people. And it you're is. just like, all, and all the walls are just paneled with these memes. And they're powerful images for these like 
senile baby boomers. And it, like, is, it is baby boomers once again. I'm not dissing all baby but boomers. This but this is my god. This is like memes. The power of meme stuff is so real. And like I, I was reading a book. Okay, that, but why? This is my question. How dumb do you have to be? Well, to look at a meme and be like, that is how as far as I'm going into this issue. That's why I almost don't have any. I, I have. I'm almost. I'm angry. I really am angry with people who decided their election, who decided this election because of memes. I'm like, do you not, can you not critically think at all? What, if, well, what, what is a meme? It's just sort of this repeated image over and over again. People are cattle, man. Like, the, you get these images repeated and you think that that is reality. And I would recommend this book um, called Dark Star Rising. And it's actually written by one of the drummer of Blondie. Ooh, um, I like him. But this is all about like how um, like the, the effect of occult and esoteric philosophy has sort of permeated the alt-right and also the Trump presidency. And so you have, you have Donald Trump, who is an acolyte of positive thinking and just sort of reaffirmation uh like constantly repeating repeating things until they are willed into existence which is what sure. means that is what memes do that's what advertising does yeah that's, that's what, all and he is like a student he was literally a student of one of the first people who sort of originated the idea of this sort of power of positive thinking mm-hmm. which which is telling yourself even if it's a lie i don't have a comb over i don't have a comb over my hair is real my hair is real and so Donald mm. Trump and meme sort of magic are sort of colliding together to create this sort of like hall of mirrors that are that are just saying whatever the administration wants it to, whatever Russia wants to, to signal out to these people, this is real reinforcement of ideas. Yes, and of course they did do a good job of sowing uh, discord within the population of the United States of America. And they weren't just... Uh, praising Donald Trump, they were attacking Hillary. Sometimes they praised Bernie. Basically, anywhere that there was a social crack when it comes to abortion, gay rights issues, uh, racial issues, any place that looks like it could be a potential crack to politically um, almost frack. They basically politically fracked yeah. the uh, the country emotionally fracked the country and it worked of course again reading the report it's like this is not the worst that any government has ever done to interfere with another foreign country's domestic policy or elections i mean we don't have to look back any further than libya when we were arming farmers to take care of gaddafi to get gaddafi out of there and i know gaddafi wasn't a perfect person uh, but you show me someone who is in that in a, a a political dictator in an African country. You show me one that is a perfect person. And as far as that goes, he was the, one of the better ones. And Africa uh, and Libya was the only successful African country. The people were relatively affluent, relatively well educated, and um, and that's what makes it so much more interesting when the U.S. decided uh, to oust him. And let's not forget, all of a sudden, the farmers of Libya had. U.S. military equipment that was around 20 years old. Right. We always were we're a thrift store for weapons. And these people they didn't just they they were they're they're poor. These are poor farmers in Libya. Did you do you think they were able to buy these things? No. Someone showed up. 
um, had a whole uh, a whole wagon full of goods, and the folks went and uh, and got the free and got the free weapons like you're at a basketball game, and some big stuffed Marmaduke is uh, is shooting T-shirts into the crowd, and you hope to grab one. In this case, of course, it's heavy artillery, uh, heavy artillery, and a series of weapons that can cause massive amounts of uh, destruction and devastation. So it does annoy me a little bit that they were like, I can't, the Russians interfered so extremely in our elections. Uh, has this ever been done before? And it's like, look at the Iran-Contra scandal where William Barr, that was another thing where Attorney General Barr, he defended everyone in the Iran-Contra scandal. Every single person that gave, uh, that gave arms to those terrorists, um, he defended all of them. So it's not as if the U.S., hasn't done a thousand times worse uh, than what the Russian meme war was. Uh, but again, I mean, this is a uh, it is something that we have to take very seriously. And obviously, we're going to talk here about the Obama administration, and what could have been done to just halt this effort in the first place. Uh, but just again, in the context of where we are as a in the context of like global interventionalism, I just don't think the Russian meme war is like the biggest thing that's ever happened. But well, maybe it's, it's just me. It's part of a bigger sort of effort because we have everything is so decentralized with like for with the uh, voting, for example. Like you have a bunch of states fighting off an entire nation who is trying to hack them. And I mean, as far as I can tell from the Mueller report. There was no clear evidence of actual Russian interference with the voting. No, the voting – we know this already. The However, voting machines are all run by the same corporations. Mitt Romney was on the frickin' board. Uh, what was the, what's the name of that one voting machines company? I'm blanking on the name now. But he was on the board of the damn thing. The vote flipping and vote stripping happens from corporations. That's what happens. It's not the Russian government. Well, so the Russians, they, uh, so there, yeah, there was no actual, there was no evidence of them tampering with it. But they actually did breach a polling place in Florida, which has the the actual location of which has not been released. But they actually have the data at least, and you can do, I imagine, a lot with that data alone. And if you're a lot, and if you can do that in Florida, you can do that in another like, I don't know, Iowa. I, you, you know, the. The ability, well, need- the ability for Russia to do that is sort of more indicative of a larger effort, which includes your the memes, which may seem trivial, but it's like it's all it's all sort of coming together, and we're about to head into elections and. Don't believe fucking memes. How many times do we have you, to say it is so? It is like so powerful. easy. It's it not so that powerful. powerful. It, I think more, it was it was powerful because people wanted to believe, and they didn't quite understand what they were looking at because they're looking at their phones, they're looking at again new tech, and they're like, "This has got to be believable." It's like when you first go on, a, you know, it's your first six months of dating someone, and you're like, "Wow, this person really is as spectacular as they say they are." And a year later, you realize, "Oh, never mind. They just sleep until five p.m." and uh, don't technically do anything because it's all been a lie and they're a trust fund baby. Thanks to HelloFresh for bringing you this episode of Top Hat. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that does all the hard work for you. With HelloFresh, home-cooked meals are made simple. HelloFresh does all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping so you can focus on a happier and healthier you. Their meals are simple, seasonal recipes, and they deliver pre-measured ingredients right to your door every week. With HelloFresh, cooking is easy and enjoyable. All their meals come together in 30 minutes max. Call for less than two pots and pans 
pants and require minimal cleanup. There's three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between them for when your tastes change. I had a chance to try HelloFresh, and I have no idea why I waited so long. With my busy schedule, it can be hard to find time to make fresh home-cooked meals, and when I do, I just cook the same things over and over and over again. HelloFresh helped me get out of my recipe rut and start cooking outside my comfort zone. This week, Brooke and I made HelloFresh's balsamic fig chicken with sweet potatoes potatoes and zucchini yummy it's something i never would have thought to cook before but thanks to hellofresh we've got a new favorite recipe for 80 dollars off your first month of hellofresh go to hellofresh.com slash top hat 80 and enter top hat 80 that's like receiving eight meals for free that's 80 dollars off your first month of hellofresh go to hellofresh.com slash top hat 80 and enter top hat 80 I think 2020 coming around the band here, people are going to be a little bit more woke, for lack of a better term, Hell no. than no. they were in 2016 <laughs> like, think, because like, they're going to have to be. What is more powerful, like the the motto "I like Ike" or a picture of Dwight Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower with a jetpack on? Like that. Like these are they're. Well, that's the Rocketeer. I, well, that's I don't know, but, but anyway. you see, you do you see Dwight Eisenhower with a jetpack on. You're like, oh, I like Ike. I, you you can you can well, gather, you, know, yeah, you can gather course. that from that image. But like so the the power of memes is to just plant that without even without even using language. Well, I think it more paves the ground for a car that already has a pre. A determined destination. I think these memes just validated beliefs that already existed. Sure. And like you were talking about, a ping pong effect. I don't know how many people were truly swayed by these freaking government memes. I know that were put in here by the Russians. I know for a fact that people are swayed Look, uh, when we give them a gun and tell them to overthrow their leaders. When so, you're when you're behind a car and you see like thirty bumper stickers on the back of that car. Aren't you a little worried of the driver driving that car? I mean, it depends what the bumper stickers say. Any you any know? any number over two. I'm I'm usually like that guy's probably road raging. I like him, but uh, th- the, but that's memes. That's that memes. is it's bumper stickers. And again, I've never gotten a political ideology that stuck with me from a bumper sticker. But no. nonetheless, I think um, we should coexist. That's all I'm saying. I know we should coexist. The greatest bumper sticker we ever saw. And shit happens. Uh, we, the greatest bumper sticker we ever saw was we were driving through. I think it was Indiana. And this guy, this Vietnam vet, had a bumper sticker on the back of his truck. Yes. And it said, uh, I died in Vietnam. No, wait. I I left my, what was it? I left my body in. No, I died twice. Yeah, I died (laughs) twice in. Wait, what was it? I died in Vietnam, but I haven't died yet. What the hell was it? I, I. You got to remember this. If they're so powerful, Travis, you have to remember them. It was like, I died twice once in vietnam and once when i returned to my to see that nobody gave a shit it was basically that idea like well now i forget it well anyway. i guess the power of bumper stickers aren't so it was it was great but the thing was he had two of them i know strategically placed on the back of his truck that's a powerful statement oh that's what it was i think it's he said i lost my life in vietnam i just haven't died yet Yes, there it is. There yeah, that it is. was pretty powerful. Anyway, the Mueller report, it flatly states the Russians began interfering uh, in our democracy in 2014. Now, it took a couple of years uh, before this thing blossomed out to what it became, this kind of, again, social media warfare. But why didn't the Obama administration do anything about it? Well, according to Susan Rice, this is the national uh, security advisor at the time. You all know Susan Rice. She's the one uh, that Roseanne Barr tweeted out. It was that racist oh, uh, meme the about the Planet of the Apes thing. Yeah. So basically, Susan Rice was like, yo, Barack, 
some crap is going down. These Russians are trying to interfere in our election. And Obama was like, I can't be bothered with all this right now. We're working on the Iran nuclear deal. Um, so, and of course they wanted Putin to be in on that. The Russians had, uh, they wanted, uh, the Russians to participate in the Iran, uh, nuke deal. And he didn't want to anger Vladimir Putin for that reason. So he's like, stand down, don't stress it. Uh, don't bother, you know, doing anything about it. It was written in this book by David Korn and Michael Isakoff. Now, David Korn, he's one of these guys. I think he's with Mother Jones. Mm-hmm. I met him a couple of times. Real strange bird. I know some people who know him, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about the, these political insider, like the political people in Washington, D.C., that make a whole living off of this economy that is American this politics. Is- <laughs> Uh, they can be kind of disgusting. This is how Ben reacts when somebody doesn't want to take an Instagram picture with him. Yeah, buddy. That's what Tom Savini took one with me in Los Angeles, of course, the greatest I, horror and special I, effects. I got one with him in New York at the Metrograph. Yeah, he's the greatest horror special effects artist of all time, Tom Savini. Friday the 13th, the last chapter, the greatest Friday the 13th film. So this is what uh, Michael Isakoff and David Korn in their book Russian Roulette had to say. Uh, this is why they say uh, that Obama went so soft on Russia. They say it was because, again, he was focused on the nuke deal. Obama wanted Putin in on the deal and to stand up to whom an election interference would have, in Obama's estimation, upset that negotiation. This turned out, of course, not to be the greatest decision in the history of the Obama White House. But let's not forget as well that Obama had wanted to reset uh, with Russia for a long time, and they did hit the reset button, much like Staples. They had a red button that said reset. It didn't say easy on it uh, because, of course, it's not easy have you to seen reset the, negotiations have you with seen the, the Russians. Staples, the Staples new uh, redesign? No, I haven't. It's seen. pretty crazy. I'm sure it is. Um, so this is according to the Washington Post. He says, Obama, according to the Washington Post, approved a modest package with economic sanctions so narrowly targeted that even those who helped design them described their impact as largely symbolic. And it's not just, you know, Isakoff and Korn talking about this. It's also Congressman Adam Schiff. He disgraced himself in the process by claiming collusion with Mueller found that none existed once uh, once said that the Obama administration should have done a lot more. Uh, The Washington Post reported that a senior Obama administration official said that they sort of choked in failing to stop the Russian government's brazen activities. And Obama's ambassador to Russia, Michael McFaul, said, quote, the punishment did not fit the crime. So this whole thing could have been nipped in the bud. um, But of course, that's no excuse for a series of different bizarre foreign policy decisions that have been made uh, by Donald Trump. Why was this able to go on and live in the way that it did? It was because of Donald Trump's very bizarre infatuation with Vladimir Putin, Helsinki, let's not forget that, and with his fascination for strong men in general. I think it led to a lot of people being like, well, if there's no there there, then what the hell is going on? And it's not as if you know, Donald Trump, there is so much redacted in this report. We still don't know what's going to happen with the Southern District of New York. There are a lot of things um, that this report could have spiraled out and uh, a lot of different things that this report could have um, began outside of this report, specifically, again, Southern District of New York when it comes to uh, possible prosecutions there for a whole series of different fraudulent activities, whether it be the Trump Foundation 
or uh, Trump University or all of the Trump business ventures that are sketchy to say the least. So who the, who the heck knows? But at this point, it looks like the indictments are done. The Mueller report is wrapped up. A lot of people are saying that Mueller, maybe he didn't have enough time. Mueller didn't say that he didn't have enough time. I think he's probably, I mean, this is just it. And what bothers me, kind of going back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, the way that the media covered this for 22 months, it took the wind out of the sails of the report coming out. Absolutely. You know, because this should have dropped, like the media should have done exactly what we did on this show. Being like, well, wait until we see the report and then we can talk about it. If they would have just shut up and just said, okay, the report's coming out. We have these indictments, not 24-7 ad nauseum. Donald Trump is guaranteed to be out of office. He's going to be impeached. Even uh, even the head of the um, Intelligence Committee for the Democrats has just said he doesn't think impeachment's going to happen. I believe it was Nadler uh, who said that. He's like, I don't think that's right. We're 18 months away from an election. That's what we have to be focused on. Impeachment would probably just strengthen the president the same way it strengthened Bill Clinton because then you have his base all riled up and you got people being like, now we need to rally behind uh, our big butted president and we need to support him now more than ever. Well, so impeachment is, you know, I just don't even think it's on the table right now. Obviously, there's going to be some Democrats uh, that are going to be pushing for it. But right now, it doesn't seem as if uh, that's totally plausible. And because the media chose to just hammer this thing freaking down our throats for two years, it made when this dropped, it was just the it's like it's it was the biggest like, ugh, like that I can ever remember in, in my uh, history of being active politically since the year 2000. It reminds me of when you go to see a movie, uh, but before you see the movie, you watch all the trailers on YouTube and all the trailers on TV. And then by the time you get to the film, you're like, oh, they've they've ruined the entire thing. Oh, yeah. I already saw every uh, every single story arc, every single ABC storyline. I saw the movie in chronological order in two and a half minutes. And then when you see the film and you see the supposed jump scare, you're like, yeah, saw that coming. The movie Us kind of did that with the yeah. previews. I highly recommend not watching the previews for Us because by the time you get to the end, you're like, yep, kind of saw that coming because well, it was uh, nailed in my brain uh, every single time I went to the movie theaters or turned on the TV. So that is my complaint when it comes to the coverage of this is they – Pumped it up so big, the hype was so large, and then when it came out, um, the political detriment to Donald Trump, it's already been done. And this would this would be when you want to start amping that up, because now he's going to say, look at, I've been validated, and look at the no collusion. I mean, even though we can talk about that here in a second regarding the whole Don McGahn thing and... We can talk about that in a second with Don McGahn, of course, uh, the former White House counsel when it comes to like firing Comey and firing Mueller and all this stuff. We can we can talk about that in a what? second. It just seems like the media could they should have started talking about it now. And then we could really have all of that conversation that we had. We could actually have the conversation now. And obviously, you got to cover all the indictments and stuff like that. But uh, the speculation. But what was equally really, frustrating to me is, yeah, they have this huge ramp up in the media about the report and then William Barr comes out with his own like remix right, the summary right. and then all those people that were talking so much spicy talk about the report they immediately put their tail between their legs because of a summary that Trump's lapdog well and now and, and they they all like oh we were wrong we like they all felt like they had they were you know they needed to be contrite about it and then the actual report comes out and now they're like 
they're all over the fucking place. Well, I mean, I think a lot of them, again, are upset with, with Mueller for not indicting Donald Trump, quite frankly. Well, and, and I think Mueller know, was... It, this reminds me of like... Mueller doesn't care. I mean, I was thinking this the entire time. Again, first of all, everyone who bought the Robert Mueller shirts, I'm excited to see all of those at Goodwill. Get those <laughs> out there. Um, because that was the most ridiculous phenomenon out of all of this. He is a German inquisitor. He's a German special counsel. I will never, ever be like, we can trust him 100%. But Mueller did not give a crap about all the political spin going on. He's like... The, it was television. This is just another example of television news dropping the ball. And of course, the Internet. I mean, you read this, the ridiculously stupid tweets and, and memes that are on the Internet. Like everyone missed the ball on this. It, it reminds me. It reminds me of like criminal cases where police agencies are not talking to each other. And so ultimately nothing gets done. Like Mueller. I think Mueller well. Mueller intended to punt it to Congress and then Congress just didn't catch the punt. They're just like, well, it's not in there. You didn't tell us to what is tell us what to do. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think Donald Trump is just going to have to lose uh, well, because of an election. But so what? What happened regarding this whole collusion thing? Um. So the collusion that you know, with, with all that seems spurious, and it doesn't seem obviously we're going to have the indictments, and everyone knows again. Uh, you know, Carter Page, Manafort, Flynn, all these dudes, they're going away for a good reason. And uh, and we'll see what ends up happening uh, regarding Donald Trump and his power to pardon. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a little pardon crazy if he does end up winning this election or even losing this election uh, before he rolls his way out of the White House. I wouldn't be surprised if that pardon pen uh, heats up a little bit. So the one issue when it comes to obstruction was can you fire Robert Mueller? So evidently Donald Trump Went up to Don McGahn, again, White House counsel, and was like, yo, bro, let's fire this dude. I don't like him one bit. He's investigating me. Donald Trump also thought this was going to totally screw him over. Evidently, as soon as uh, he found out Mueller was on the case, then Donald Trump is like, this is the end of my presidency. I'm totally fucked. Um, so he told Don McGahn, he's like, can you get rid of this dude? Jeff Sessions rolls through. Jeff is like, I'm going to recuse myself. He's like, Jeff, what the hell is that all about? I thought you were going to be my boy. And then Jeff is like, I got to go back to the tree and eat a bunch of God knows what he eats. Uh, probably a, a, a series of grape nuts if he's feeling really wild. And they just said no to him. Yeah. So the whole obstruction case was, yes, Donald Trump probably did want to fire Mueller. I'm sure he did. Why the hell wouldn't you want to fire Mueller? And then they're like, no. And then nothing happened. And then what the hell are we talking about for 22 yeah, months? Yeah, even Trump's lackeys were like, I think I think Donald Trump is like snorting Diet Coke lines off I of think his, he is. You got to freeze desk. it. It's it's very difficult to do, actually. And they like, so if they had gone along with it, this would have been much that easier. That would have been obstruction. This would have been just and then a very w- simple thing. This actually is like, oh, it's so bizarre, but on a silver lining kind of way, this is proof that the system kind of works because the people who are supposed to be guardrails for a lunatic fringe president, like Dean Ambrose, uh, for a lunatic president, we're there. And we're like, no, dude, you can't do it. You can't fire the special counsel. First of all, it'll be politically hugely detrimental. And then second of all, it could be legally exceptionally detrimental as well. So politically and legally, you can't do it. And then Donald Trump stopped doing it. So I I just don't get why they talked about it 
ad nauseum for as long as they did. And uh, he probably, Don McGahn, for all the heat, because Donald Trump was crapping all over Don McGahn and he was hating it. And the irony is Don McGahn probably saved Donald Trump's presidency by saying no to Donald Trump, who doesn't like the word no, he's never heard it before. By saying no to this guy, he probably saved his entire presidency. These guys, they don't want to go down as like the people that helped Nixon, though. Like that's that's they're not like they will go down as the people who helped Nixon. I mean, this is it's some of the same folks, you know, it's some of the same people involved as as Nixon, you know, going back to to Stone and and uh, these corrupt behind the scenes people who have been so successful selling access to power in Washington, uh, D.C. Have you seen the show The Slap on NBC? No, I know somebody gets slapped, but the only slap that matters on television is the real world Seattle when, um, oh, I forget the name of the guy, the black dude, and it was uh, Irene who had Lyme's disease. (laughs) He slapped her. And it was a big t- What was his name? Oh, my l- listeners, you know who it is. DM me on Instagram. But this, is like, one. this is like, so the slap is uh, b- about a bunch of suburban people having a barbecue and one of the kids is like acting out. And then Zachary Quinto, one of the suburban people, smacks the kid and then a bunch of shit ensues. This is like. What's if, wrong with that? What was the, the kid was acting crazy. The kid was acting crazy. And this is like if that show, if they started that show and Zachary Quinto got up to slap the kid and then then gently lowered his hand and returned to the barbecue. No slap. No conflict. Uh, well, let me know what you think. DM me at Ben Kissel one. Um, don't listen to memes. Don't do it. My God. I'll, the, the happiest person uh, in the world right now. Uh, is definitely Vladimir Putin. It's definitely everyone who works with him at the Kremlin. They are thrilled. Mission accomplished, Vlad. Congratulations. You uh, sowed so much discontent within the people of this country, helped get Donald Trump elected. You have officially won the first round of the meme war. Yeah, is he? Is he? Is Vladimir Putin uh, sitting on Imgur, just like looking at memes and laugh, exactly. chuckling oh to himself? God. They're just like it's it's so ridiculous because you know they got all these meme farms and they're like thinking, is this gonna work? Are they just this stupid to believe that Hitler and uh, Hillary Clinton, Hillary, Hitler, Hillary, Hillary, Hitler, Hitler, they're the <laughs> same person? I mean, these memes are so freaking ridiculous. They got Jesus crucified on the cross with Donald Trump's face being like, you know, God sent his second son. I mean these. These memes are so stupid, and the memes they show in the Mueller report are just like, come on, you know, come on, people. These- but then again, you watch after Julian Assange was arrested, um, detained in London, QAnon people, QAnon supporters, they went crazy. They're like, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened. He's finally going to spill the beans on who is Q. All of this nonsense, all of these people, their minds are warped, their brains are, they're just, we're just a puddle. Their brains are just a puddle, and in this puddle, uh, it is just full of Snickers wrappers, junk, junk food, and total and utter trash. Because it is—it's just—it makes you a garbage person. This is the if sa- you just get your information from these, these ridiculous places. These are the same places. minds that like go bankrupt from buying everything in the Sky Mall magazine, like buying your. Well, dog, there's nothing wrong with bu- that. Buying your dog like tactical gear. You do need that. I suppose for a dog, for Puffin a, better get Puffin. Do you want tactical gear? I would love some, Ben. You never knew when the robot revolution is coming, and you know what they're gonna do first, Ben? What's that, Puffin? They're gonna kill puppies. That's not right, and it's probably it's not right that they do that. And you're probably correct, Puff Bear. 
Hey there, this episode is brought to you by Indochino. You guys know I have my fair share of suits in my closet, and let me tell you, a made-to-measure suit fits so much better than the generic off-the-rack suits you get at the store. When you're wearing a suit that fits you well, you don't just look better, you feel better and you feel more confident, which is why I was so excited to partner with Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for unparalleled fit and comfort. Wedding coming up? Indochina has tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from, not to mention the option to personalize the details, including your lapel, lining, pockets, buttons, and writing your own monogram. Here's how it works. Visit a stylist at one of the over 40 Indochino showrooms in North America, where they'll take your measurements personally. Or you can measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. Then choose your fabric inside and out, choose your design customizations, submit your measurements with your choices, and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple of weeks. I visited one of their showrooms and I was very impressed. Getting fitted was quick and easy and I love being able to customize everything about my suit. I especially loved how quickly they tailored and mailed out my suit just in time for me to look and feel my best for Henry's wedding. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com when entering Top Hat at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code Top Hat for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Let's get out of the Mueller report. Can we not talk Bye. about it? Was that was that fine? Did we cover that fine? It's, I mean, it's, just go read the damn report. It's everything we've already known for two months or for two years. I don't know. Anyway, I was just this is a disappointing cyst to pop. You know, yes. there's not well, there's so, no big explosion. It's just sort of oozing out onto yeah, your chin. It's fine. Everyone was complicit, and Obama should have done something because obviously, um, you know. The nuke deal with Iran didn't last very long, did it? Uh, it's almost like Americans make changes every four years or so. All right. Well, let's talk about changes. And let's talk about uh, Alabama. GOP voters, you know what? It's time, It might be time for a change. Right now, they have Doug Jones in their Senate, and they're saying, yeah, this guy, he's fine. He votes with Trump sometimes. He votes with the Democrats, obviously, a lot more. Some Democrats are upset with him because uh, he goes across the aisle. He's a little bit more moderate. Again, you're a Democrat in Alabama. Good luck if you're not at least a moderate, um, because or just downright Joe Manchin, who I think is a conservative out of West Virginia. But Alabama voters say they would indeed nominate Roy Moore for Senate once again. A new Alabama voter poll finds that Republicans are eager to renominate the extremely uh, problematic Roy Moore. So Moore, of course, he's disgraced, um, uh, you know, for many, many reasons. Uh, he was mo- removed from office twice, most recently for refusing to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Of course, he's also been accused of uh, sexual misconduct, including against a 14-year-old girl. Uh, Moore is like, I never did anything wrong. Uh, Moore, who also believes homosexuality should be illegal, and declared, quote, the transgenders don't have rights. He lost by lost to Jones by barely 20,000 uh, votes. And, of course, the transgender issue is always 
always on the forefront of American uh, politics here in many ways. Donald Trump has gone through with his plan to get rid of transgender people in the military. Again, folks who fight for our freedoms and and uh, people who are willing to put their lives on the line uh, for this country, a hell of a lot braver people uh, than I am, regardless of how you identify. So transgender people sort of on uh, in the crosshairs of the culture war. Uh, gay people are no longer as polarized as they used to be. Uh, of course, uh, you have Pete Buttigieg, who is truly polling quite high. He's in third right now in Iowa, past military experience, speaks numerous languages, uh, a charming guy in many ways, handling hecklers very well. But the transgender issue is still a place, or st- it really is a place where the Republican Party can sort of you know, get what they used to get rile people up the same way that being gay used to rile people up. Uh, that's what the transgender issue is right now for them. So more, he's 72 years old. He recently told a Christian radio station, quote, I am seriously considering it. That's in regards to running for Senate. Moore said, uh, insisting without evidence that the seat had been, quote, stolen from him. And now why would he even consider it? Well, it turns out he's polling pretty good. A Mason-Dixon poll released this past week asked 400 GOP voters if the 2020 Republican primary for Alabama's U.S. Senate seat were held today for whom would you vote? Moore was the runaway choice in a field of six named candidates. He got 27%, nine points higher than second place, which is this dude named Mo Brooks, a sitting congressman. Moore has nearly universal name recognition for these voters, and only 29% hold an unfavorable uh, opinion of the dude. So there you go. The Democrat, a former uh, prosecutor who targeted... Now, this is this is Doug Jones. Of course, he's a Democrat and a former prosecutor who targeted the KKK. Has low ratings in the state. The same, show, the same poll shows him with just 45% of voters approving of his performance and 50% determined to replace him with a Republican in Alabama. So who knows? Perhaps sh- Roy Moore will ride again to the polls. I, I, yeah, uh, I have to share the, the best headline that I've read that sums this up perfectly is from the New York Mag, and it says, why Alabamans are trying it again. Trying it again, and why wouldn't you with such a charming guy as that, the theocrat that is Roy Moore, the bane of my existence, even despite all the sexual misconduct stuff, that's just one layer on this on this crap cake. Uh, this dude is, uh, he, of course, he fought to keep the Ten Commandments uh, in the courtroom. Uh, he has been just hugely problem. He's been a massive problem when it comes to criminal justice reform. He's been a massive uh, hindrance to civil rights uh, of all walks of life. I mean, he is just a horrible, horrible person. And if you've ever met a judge, they really are. They, 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 they all have a, they have a Jesus complex. They all have a God sure. complex. I mean, that's what would lead you to want to become a judge. And he takes great joy in destroying lives of the people that enter his courtroom. So just imagine, or did enter his courtroom before he was disbarred. So just imagine how much joy he could have in ruining the lives of everyone in Alabama. Roy Moore, absolutely horrible. And of course, as soon as Rand Paul decided to support him and endorse him, uh, Rand Paul was dead to me because there is nothing libertarian about a theocrat. 
so that's basically that. So that's yeah. kind of a fun little side story. It might uh, he may be back, and uh, indeed it is. Possible. I will say if you if you want a, an example of a good judge, watch the documentary Legend of Cocaine Island. Very good judge in there. Really, what mm-hmm. happens there? He just he makes the right call. I won't spoil the documentary, but you you actually go, oh, judges can be can be good. Can he be lets everyone do cocaine. I think that's great. All right, well, let's move on to war and peace here, mostly war. Donald Trump, again, uh, the man who ran as an anti-interventionalist, he promised um, to end wars uh, in the Middle East. He kind of lied a little bit on that. I'm just going to say he kind of lied a little bit on that. What happened? Um, So President Trump vetoed a bipartisan resolution on Tuesday that would have forced an end to American military involvement in Saudi Arabia's civil war in Yemen, rejecting an appeal by lawmakers to his own deeply rooted instincts to withdraw the United States from the bloody foreign conflict. The Saudis still have us around, you know, we, we are wrapped around their finger that is dipped in oil. We are wrapped right around there. Of course, let's not forget this is on the heels of Khashoggi um, when they murdered the U.S. resident, uh, the reporter for the Washington Post. They murdered him, dismembered his body. Who the hell knows where he is? They did it so poorly. So poorly. They dressed up in his clothes afterwards. I mean, it was written like a Christopher Guest movie. They're horrible. Of course, when the, you know, me, I like my pro pro wrestling. Yeah. When Vince signed the deal with the WWE uh, to go over there, I think it was like 400 million bucks, which, you know, how much money does it take to sacrifice all of your values? Evidently, 400 million bucks. Women weren't allowed to uh, to wrestle. Gay wrestlers weren't allowed. Sami Zayn wasn't even allowed because he's the wrong kind of Muslim. So the Saudi Arabian people are still suffering. This whole idea that um, their crown prince is some great liberator, it's total nonsense. They're just as crazy as ever before. And the U.S. is still supporting this regime. So the veto, only the second time Mr. Trump has used his power to block legislation passed by by both houses of Congress strikes down a resolution. And just keep that in mind. When was the last time? Well, they have done some. There was another bipartisan bill we covered um, a couple of episodes ago. But it's rare to get a bipartisan bill through it, this extremely hostile Congress. It's usually when they get raises that's a bipartisan bill. Yeah, or more time off. So basically this veto strikes down a legislation that invoked the War Powers Act to distance the United States from a four-year conflict that has killed thousands of civilians and resulted in widespread famine. This also plays into immigration, right? So we have a situation all over the UK and Germany, uh, many other uh, European countries, there is a crisis. There is an immigration crisis. It's not an invasion. It's a crisis because we continue to fund and allow wars like what we're seeing in Yemen to go on. Where the hell are these people supposed to go? If you're an older person, someone who doesn't want to, if you're if you're a younger dude, if you're you know, twelve to to forty, you're fighting and probably just gonna die. Mm-hmm. Anywhere outside of that, you have to go somewhere. And if you're a woman or a child, you gotta roll out. So that is one of the reasons we have this massive migration crisis. It's not immigration. These people in Yemen, for example, like four years ago or five years ago before this war started, they weren't like, let's go to jolly old England. No, they want to stay where they freaking live. But we have 
foreign policy that forces these people out of their homes and causes a crisis. Now, of course, because of that crisis, this is one of the ultimate ironies. Then you have the Stephen Miller wing of political thought, which is close borders, close the doors. So we have a two-prong issue here where we are financing foreign wars, massacring civilizations, forcing migrants to exit their homelands, and then when they get to places, being pissed off that there's a migration problem. Well, this is how you end the migration problem. You stop foreign wars. So the measure was a rebuke of Mr. Trump's support for Saudi Arabia, even after the killing again of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. It was uh, opposed by several of the president's top advisors, including Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and National Security Advisor John Bolton. So this is according to uh, Donald Trump and why he vetoed this legislation that again would have ended the U.S. involvement in the horrific war in Yemen, which is just leading to the massacre of thousands and thousands of people and leading to what we're seeing when it comes to the migration issue facing uh, countries all over the world. So this is according to Donald Trump. He says, this resolution is an unnecessary, dangerous attempt to weaken my constitutional authorities, endangering the lives of American citizens and brave service members both today and in the future. So that is what we call complete and other doublespeak. It's going to endanger the lives of the United States service members by not having them participate in a bloody civil war that is going to give us nothing but cost us lives and cost us money. So the veto came only a month after Mr. Trump similarly rejected a bipartisan measure that would have overturned his declaration of a national emergency at the Southwest Border. So who are these people? Who are these bipartisan people that are against it? Well, one dude, it's a Democrat out of California, Representative Ro Khanna. He says this is deeply disappointing. Uh, He goes on to say the president had the opportunity to sign a historic war powers resolution and stand with a bipartisan coalition, including his allies, Who are Donald Trump's allies? Mark Meadows. Let's not forget Mark Meadows, the man who cried after being he got called racist. And then he said, Elijah Cummings, we're like best friends. And I'm yes, I am friends with a black person who is also a very, very powerful, powerful politician. Yes, I am. That's how open minded I am. Mark Meadows. Rand Paul and Matt Gates, Of course, Matt Gates, one of these Tea Party guys. Rand Paul the same way. Ro Khanna continues on. He says, Uh, Regarding Donald Trump and signing this veto, he says he failed to uphold the principles of the Constitution that give Congress power over matters of war and peace. Uh, Mr. Trump has spoken up for years against military entanglements, whether it be in Iraq, Afghanistan or Syria. He has clashed with his generals over the timetable for withdrawing from Afghanistan and Syria. In his veto message, Trump said he agreed with Congress that, quote, great nations do not fight endless wars. He noted that the United States was negotiating to end its involvement in Afghanistan, drawing down troops in Syria after what he said was the conquest of 100 percent of the territory once held by the Islamic State. So Donald Trump is saying, hey, it's all good. This is just my little war. I'm ending these other bigger wars, but I'm still I mean, you know, I'm still a president. We have to have some war. I mean, it's not only is Trump sort of like an intern for the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, but this is also a proxy war between Saudi Arabia, who is supporting the Sunni and then Iran supporting the Shia. 
And this is where they get the. And this is a big fuck you to Iran from United States oh, and of Saudi course. Arabia. Yeah, I mean, most of these wars, Yemen is just the battlefield, and that's a sad thing with all these proxy wars to some degree. Uh, that that leads to some of the worst wars. Uh, that's imaginable because, quite frankly, neither side particularly gives a crap about the country in which they're fighting. If you want evidence of that, look no further than Vietnam. I mean, that was that was a, a war against communism taking place in Vietnam. And we're like, well, we can just trash this place. Yeah. It's like when you go and you schedule a, I don't know, it's like when you go to a hotel and, you know, the rules are all off. I mean, we have some pretty strict rules. I don't trash hotels. <laughs> but people trash hotels a hell of a lot more than they would their own hotel. Absolutely. Or their own house. They definitely steal uh, more soaps from they'll hotels steal more than, soaps their own, and, than their own house. You know, just keep it slightly messier than they would if it was in their own house. And so basically the Yemen, Yemen in this case, is the hotel for war. And they are fully going, uh, you know, they're channeling uh, their Rolling Stones. And uh, who's another big rock band out there? Who do the kids like? Uh, Seether. Seether and Seether. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so Donald Trump, he obviously he's got some critics here. Uh, the critics have said this veto amounts to a green light to continued atrocities in Yemen, where human rights groups said there were already 10 million people, 10 million people. We're talking about 2000 people on the southwest border. Donald Trump calling that a humanitarian crisis or a national emergency, rather humanitarian crisis is what it is he's calling it a national emergency meanwhile we're funding a war that has 10 million people that has led to 10 million people on the brink of famine and as many as 100 civilian casualties a week that is 100 civilian casualties a week this is according to the president of the international rescue committee david miliband this is what he says he says this veto by President Trump is morally wrong and strategically wrong headed. He goes on to say it sets back the hopes for respite uh, for the Yemeni people and leaves the U.S. upholding a failed strategy. Uh, Senator Tim Kaine, of course, uh, the worst vice president uh, in my in lifetime uh, nominee, he played guitar. And wasn't that going to get the youth excited? Uh, this is what he had to say. Of course, he ran with Hillary Clinton in 2016. This is what he had to say about the veto. He says, quote, part of an alarming pattern of Trump turning a blind eye to Saudi Arabia's actions that fly in the face of American values, like the murder of journalist and Virginia resident Jamal Khashoggi and the jailing of women's rights activists. So there we go. The war machine continues on. Uh, despite what Donald Trump promised, I know, can you believe it? A president lied about foreign intervention. Isn't that bizarre? It's just nice that some things stay the same. I mean, you have like all <sighs> all the ghouls in Congress just being like, this is bad, actually. This is bad. Well, what's the point? I mean, it doesn't. This is just so Donald Trump can make happy uh, with these horrible dictators and uh, the royalty of Saudi Arabia. And I'm just going to say this. I'm so over Saudi Arabia. It's ridiculous. What was it, 17 of the 19 hijackers, Saudis? The Saudis have gotten away with far too much for far too long. Uh, their oil reserves at some point will diminish. I um, mean, this is another reason why, um, first of all, you know me on this, I, I don't, uh, I'm not against, you know, fossil fuels, um, but I am against going to other countries to get them. And I'm also pro uh, setting up, we have to start up, start up with the new clean economy. 
I mean, and it's going to be a massive economy, and it can happen. Um, you know, whether it just be what they did in California, I'm not sure if I would go this far, but they're mandatory. You know, what do they got? The the sun, the sun things, solar, solar plant, solar uh, panels, uh, the wind turbines, those kinds of things, which are kind of ominous and sort of scary when you're driving through California, but an effective way of getting energy and theoretically. That would uh, then lead to us no longer being reliant on horrible regimes such as the Saudis. But also going back to you were talking about immigration and how it's becoming like this sort of boiling point issue. Like just look at the Notre Dame fire. Like oh yeah, that a lot became of money. that became sort of this big signifier of this big war between Europeans and the immigrants coming in from the Middle East. Well, that wasn't an act of terrorism or anything. No, it that wasn't. was just an accident. But that is just sort of indicative of like where people's heads are. Like it's like stop foreign wars and you won't have your precious like homeland being like quote unquote invaded by immigrants from Libya well, of or course. from Yemen. It's just so contradictory and it's it's just ridiculous. Well, that's the that's the larger issue that no one particularly cares to talk about because there is a lot of money in wars and uh again you know it's almost as if what happens here and this happens all the time when it comes to administrations they create the problem and then they run on a platform to solve the problem so the crisis on the southern border is an issue with u.s foreign policy that's gone on for many many years and obviously also those nations need to uh, take responsibility for the corruption within their own countries um, but at the same time this whole thing could have been averted if U.S. foreign policy was better. And if you look at what's happening regarding U.S. foreign policy overseas, we're not really the nation that's dealing with that migrant crisis. That's all of Europe that is dealing with the U.S. wars and, of course, uh, you know, the European participation in many, many, many of those wars as well. But they are they're they're harvesting the fruits of America's uh, wonderful farm that is filled with blood. Um, all right, everyone. That's kind of exciting there. Let's move on just briefly. I mentioned marijuana sales. So how much money are people really making here? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's a crap load. Um, how much money is Wisconsin made, you ask? None, because Wisconsin doesn't have it legal in any which way. Minnesota, uh, they've made $9 bucks. Okay, not bad. They're, uh, they're allowed medical. Uh, Colorado has made over a billion dollars. Nevada, $102 million. California, over $2 billion, almost $3 billion. Washington State, almost a billion. Oregon, $500 million. And then you have these poorer states, Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky. A combined earnings of South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, zero. They have no money coming in. And one could argue Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, those states would benefit greatly from the legalization of marijuana. And of course, we're still losing tens of thousands of people every single year to the opioid crisis. The legalization of marijuana would definitely, definitely um, have a positive impact uh, regarding how many lives are being lost right now In- uh, to the opioid epidemic. So the states that have tallied uh, the, the this is um these are states that have medical uh, marijuana. Arizona has made over four hundred million dollars. Connecticut has made fifty million bucks. Delaware seven. Florida seventeen million. Hawaii seventeen million. Illinois ninety one million. Million and uh, Michigan has made six hundred and thirty three million dollars over just medical uh, cannabis. So on this 420, 
Don't forget how many states still need to legalize marijuana and how much money they could earn from legalizing said marijuana. So that's one aspect. And then, of course, uh, going back to the 1.5 million people who are annually arrested just simply for a marijuana possession. So this 420, it's very fun. Have a good time. But also remember, we got a lot of work to do when it comes to the legalization of pot. And it's not just about getting stoned and, you know, whatever, looking at screensavers. People don't do that anymore. They used to do that when I was a kid. I don't know. Um, but it really is a criminal justice issue and, uh, issue and an economic issue. Yeah. And it's about any- bringing families back together that Bringing are broken families. apart by ridiculous laws. Absolutely. I mean, and, just, and making just, those and making those families some money. Just days before 420, Bernie Sanders came out fully for uh, decriminalization of marijuana. And I think if I'm correct, a lot of the other Democratic nominees or uh, candidates uh, have only sort of played footsie with the idea. Whereas Bernie is like full on like decriminalize it. Yeah, decriminalize. I would prefer to see fully legalized. Well, now, and, of and course, and there are some people who don't want it to be fully legalized. If you watch that documentary Murder Mountain, it does lead a lot. Uh, it does lead to a lot more regulations and prices of weed does do does go up. I mean, they tax it at around fifteen percent most of these states. So it's a pretty healthy. For all intents and purposes, vice tax, um, which I think is you know just kind of pathetic, but it is what it is. Uh, so there are some people who are in the industry who are like, I actually decriminalizing sounds better to me because then I won't have to deal with any of uh, the regulations that come with legalization. But again, I would say legalization is inevitably the only way to go. You're already kind of getting taxed for it when you have to like order the secret menu on an item at a restaurant, like the Smoky Mountain uh, pancake stack. You don't got to do that anymore, yeah, you buddy. Don't, you don't have to order a bunch of pancakes with it. Not at Carl's Jr., a.k.a. Hardee's. Go out there, you get that CBD. Get that CBD burger. Although I don't think we need to be mixing marijuana with everything. It is in everything. It doesn't have to have be. Have you seen the CBD hummus? I don't need it. No, I don't need it. I really, I, I think that we can just sort of be not necessarily, just not necessarily in everything. And also, I don't want to sound like a too much of an old man here. It's a little strong. I'm CBD? Gonna, no, not CBD. What I'm saying is I went to Colorado and I'm hanging out there. We had a great time. I was there for a wedding, and I order one. I get one of these little uh, orange cans of, of uh, THC, mm-hmm. an orange can of THC juice. Maybe it was orange juice, yeah, but it had THC in it, you know. And uh, and I'm, I'm take a big sw- sip of it, and then you know what? I looked at it: a hundred milligrams an ounce. There was twelve hundred milligrams of weed in this damn thing. I probably had six hundred milligrams. I mean, I was out. The whole yeah. thing was over, and it was just. I don't think I'd like to see you like, Let me know. fully stoned. I, I think- just lay and I can't be moved. And everyone tries, is he alive? Is he not alive? Is he paraplegic? What's going on? Oh, the whole thing falls apart. I'm like the guy from The Bell and the Butterfly. I'm winking to try to make people understand what I'm trying to say. Would you ever give Ugh. Puffin like a no. s- not even a little CBD dog treat? Definitely not. No, dogs are already stoned. They're already drunk. They don't need anything. And, truffle- and Puffin's half a pig anyway. Um, well, speaking of pigs, let's let's just do this lastly. Did we cover everything we wanted to cover? Yes, I think so. I think we did. Let's see. Pete Buttigieg, he's doing good. Had to, I got to talk about him on Dana Perino's he, show. He wants uh, fish to play at his uh, inauguration. Well, why the hell not? It'll be a long-ass inaug- uh, inauguration, and that's just fine with me. Um, yeah, that's basically the news 
that matters, I think, this week, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, um, all right. Well, just lastly, I have to talk about Jackie Zabrowski here. <laughs> this is a really big deal. Jackie Zabrowski, she is currently trying to become the National Sausage and Hot Dog Council's Hot Dog Ambassador for 2019. Now, if you know Jackie, you know she loves her meats. She loves the tubed meats. She loves flattened meats. She loves all kinds of nice, wonderful uh, toasted flesh uh, or or baked or uh, grilled. She likes grilled flesh as well. The National Sausage and Hot Dog Council's Hot Dog Ambassador. So she is applying she would like to do this for 2019. Now, this is the greatest person for it. So let's take a look a little bit at their website, hot, hot, um, let's see, dash dog.org. Now, this is an organization, hot dash dog.org. Go to this and go down and let's see here. Let me see if I can find it. You got to go get to know our hot dog ambassadors. Click on that and then we'll see we have the winners of this year's hot dog ambassadors in the northeast it's a guy named john fox southeast is chris crawford who i don't uh, you know i don't see it midwest good job courtney otter wade and uh, look at that i think she got married outside of an oscar meyer wienermobile southwest tom lore and a picture with him with a big hot dog there and in the west now i'm assuming this is where jackie zabrowski would be competing uh sam beason sam beason so buddy it's time for you to give up your wiener crown. Jackie Zabrowski is coming. There, there's a how to enter thing. And um, so I'm not exactly sure what to do here, but just go out there, email them, let them know that you want Jackie Zabrowski to be the next, and dare I say the greatest of all time, National Sausage and Hot Dog Council's Hot Dog Ambassador. That's hot slash dog dot org. Hot Hot dash dash d hot dash dog dot org, and then you can make Jackie the next National Sausage and Hot Dog Council's hot dog ambassador. That's a big deal. That's probably the biggest deal of anything we've covered today. I don't think anyone has ever deserved anything more than Jackie becoming the ambassador for hot dogs. I completely and utterly agree with that. She is she is a queen and a god, and of course, listen to her on page seven all right well that's basically it and uh we love you very very much and we will be back and we will talk to you next week and we'll see you all on the road and yeah that's about it hail yourselves everyone we'll talk to you soon this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.